I, I will never, ever sit back and take for granted what God has done through the lives of men and women like Mike, Mike and Becky. And so I want you to welcome this morning, uh, Pastor, uh, uh, are you going to come up too, Sissy? Can you make it up? Okay. Today's a no day. Okay. You'll stay low. Okay. So Pastor Mike and Becky, why don't you all stand up right there? That way you don't have to come too far. Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 at 2615 East 7th Avenue across from Cal Ranch. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Center or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's VLCCAZ.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. I'm in a suit and tie for only one reason because of him. I, I haven't been in a suit and tie since I've done weddings and funerals, but I, I don't do ties anymore. I'm retired. Huh? Because I've known that there was, ever since I've known this, I've, I've gotten real good at it. The older I've gotten, the stronger I was. They'll catch that when they leave. Okay? I know. They'll get it on the, in the car. Yeah. So I thought of this the other day, yesterday, as we were serving the ladies. What a wonderful thing for the men to be doing. It's showing an example. So I'm, I'm thinking of of writing a book, and the title of that book is going to be The Suit, the Tie, and the Apron. <laughs> to show nothing but that the outward representation of every one of your lives should have an apron on over everything and anything that you are and you wear to show that you're willing to serve. There you go. Be blessed, Pastor, in all you do, and thank you for the honor, the privilege, and the trust that you've given me and Becky to come. As a pastor over the number of years, you trusted your pulpit to only the ones you could trust. And we found out over those years that the pulpit could only be... This is, this is, a, this is not just a, a beautiful piece of artwork. This is a place that is the stead of Jesus. And when we step into it, it is in extremely important to understand the importance of what we're doing here. I, I always see the pulpit as the cross, and the cross that's big enough that I can hide it behind it that you don't see me. Everything that we're supposed to do in our walk with Christ is supposed to represent him. He's back already. I'm, I was just fixing to tell him that I was going to use your watch as an example, because I, I've been told by a great man of God that Take your time. And well, he's on mine now. Okay. Hey. Well, y'all understand. Y'all understand. I try to keep the time curbed, but I'm out of the building. So if he goes too long, text Pastor Ray. <laughs> I, I actually I forgot to do something, and it, it is very up, appropriate up. <laughs> because this uh, this family started out under Pastor Tenpenny, and uh, we have had the privilege of watching the second of these young boys uh, work work through military school, not just any military school, but the Marines. <laughs> and so I wonder if you'd welcome Isaac Thomas to the platform, if you would, please. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He just got through through boot camp. 
a little while back, and, and uh, we got a lot of our folks praying for them. And, uh, you know, but now the journey just begins. Now the journey just begins. And this is a church that stands up for, stands behind, and will fight every devil in hell. Come on. For our Amen. military. Amen. Even if those devils got skin on. Because, it's be folks, we are the land of the free because of the brave. Amen. Okay? And uh, just the bottom line. And so what I want to do is I want uh, my wife, I'm going to grab you back up here, darling, Pastor Ray and Beverly, uh, brother and sister Thomas. Where's your hubby at? Is he in here? Okay, he's taking care of that. Well, he's, he's keeping us, he's uh, helped keeping us safe. And I want all of y'all as, as uh, folks of this church, today when you leave, make sure you shake this man's hand. You notice I didn't say boy? He left a boy, but he came back a man. And so shake his hand and also shake the hand of this man and woman who raised up some incredible oh, kids. Oh, wow. No doubt. And uh, just really, just no really. Let's stretch your hands forward, if you would, and we're going to pray. Pastor uh, Mike, would you take the lead on this? Absolutely. Because they were your children before God blessed me with them. Yeah, and I so. have to tell you that, that I know Isaac from a little small boy, and this isn't him because he's... <laughs> He's too big now. He's a little, little boy. He was a little boy. But now, so, he's a, Pastor, now he's a man. Pastor Mike, we'll start it out and I will close. Father, in the name of Jesus, there is nothing more important for us to be praying for is that in the security of our country. And Father, I thank you for this young man who's going through the training to be the best Marine the Marines have ever seen. I thank you for his brother who's already serving. But I thank you for the foundation that was given to him through their incredible parents who laid the foundation of Jesus Christ in his life a long time ago. And that, Father, in the times that get tough, in the times that he is to draw upon the very being of his center, may he draw upon his faith in Jesus. May he draw upon the word that is written on his heart. And Father, we pray the protection of angels all around him in the name of Jesus as they go with him wherever he may go. Father, I thank you for salvation that will be known by others because of him. Because you're the only one, God, that knows where he's going. And Father, we thank you that we can be a people of prayer and a people of faith to believe your hand. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for us. Isaac, we thank you, Lord, in the name of Jesus, Father, for this young man that, that has dedicated his life. God, first and foremost, to serve you, because the only way we can truly serve anyone else is when we first yield our lives to serve you. And God, he's given himself, God, to watch over the entirety of this wonderful nation that you have given us. And Father, we thank you, Lord. You said greater love has no one that they lay down their life. Now, Father, we're, we are always praying, God, that the, that the latter part of that thought would never be. But, God, he has already laid it down mentally, emotionally, physically, and socially. Lord, even financially, God, he's laid it down in every capacity, God. But first and foremost, as he has already shared with me, in those barracks, him and a handful of other young men gathered together to pray to read your word, to seek your face, because they ultimately know the true king that they are serving, the, crew, the true commander-in-chief, king of kings Hallelujah. and lord of lords, who they are Lord, serving, Lord. which enables them to yield themselves to the other authorities that you have placed in position. Now, Father, thank you, Lord. You keep him, you work with him, and God, more than anything, you work through him that everyone can see you in him for your glory, and keep him in your hand, in Jesus' name. Thank Amen. 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 Come on, let Amen. him know you appreciate him. I want to tell you this one thing, and then I, I will get out of here. Really? <laughs>
Let's see, was it, was it, uh, what, what was, uh, no, not you, it was Beverly, Pastor Bev. He said, you can't give a preacher a microphone. Yeah, he I told me, you... we were out in the hallway and he was, we were just, uh, just talking and he said, Pastor, our, is a platoon? Our platoon ranked highest above all of them in honor. Hallelujah. And you know why? Because he's in that platoon. That's right. The favor of God, the glory of God, the honor of God. And that's what God does when you yield your lives to him. Once again, let him know you love him. I know. I'm going to try. Somebody, security. Somebody. That's you in the frame. Well, in closing... Jeez. <laughs> There's not going to be any closing. In closing is a Greek word that just means I've got 30 more minutes. <laughs> it's a little surreal standing up here again after all the years of being gone, and yet the anointing in the presence of God is absolutely the same. Because he never changes. All of you do. All of us do. Turn to the guy on the right of you and tell him he's talking about you now. We all go through changes, but thank God we serve a God who is an unchanging God. In the worship here this morning, I was just reminded, and it's amazing to me because all of the songs were my old songs. I don't know if they did that on purpose or if that's why you guys do that, but I thought, holy smokes, I'm stepping right back into a time travel. And I knew all the words. And, I, and I'm, it was so comfortable. It was like putting on them old pair of slippers, you know, the ones that you're supposed to throw away? And you just keep walking out of them. You got duct tape on them and all kinds of stuff trying to keep them because they're the ones. My wife was using her mirror this morning and it's got duct tape all around it. And I said, honey, get a new mirror. She said, no, I like this one. I said, that's what happens to old people. (laughs) We fix them and hold them and don't ever throw nothing away. But as I was worshiping, I was reminded of the presence of God when I got this revelation from studying the children of Israel as you well know they traveled a lot and they went all around where God was leading them and every every place that they led them and 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 sent them they ran into people and they ran into other people and and the Bible says that they would strike covenant with the people that would make covenant with them and there was a reason why they made that covenant was because they helped one another along the way. And in a covenant-making agreement, there had to be the shedding of blood for the covenant to work. And you know that's true because of the covenant of Jesus Christ that we have. But the way that they did that, Pastor Dan, come here a minute. I'll demonstrate to you. Everybody thinks that they cut their wrists and mingled their blood. They cut their hands across the calloused part of that hand so that when they shook, that blood mingled. But there was another reason for it being in the palm of the hand. This scars quickly because of the callousness of it. Okay, Dan, thank you. He's a good handshaker. (laughs) And the demonstration that it proves to us that's the biblical picture for us to see is that when they would come across people, they would have many covenants and it would show across their hand from the scarring. So that when they saw somebody and they saw them on a hill, they would raise their hand to them. Why? To show that they were in covenant. That they were in covenant with a whole bunch of people that you mess with me, you mess with every one of them. Hallelujah. Now, let me bring it home for you. We raise our hands in worship to show the devil who we're in covenant with. Hallelujah. And you mess with me, devil. You're going to mess with God Almighty because he's going to fight my battles and he's going to win. 
So whenever you're a little hesitant because things are just not going too good for you in your day or your week or maybe your life, don't ever miss the opportunity to worship him. Don't sit on your hands. Uh-uh, I was saved in a church that we were told, sit on those, don't pick them up. Some of you know what I'm talking about. And I said, I can't do that. But I didn't know why I couldn't do that. I wanted to raise my hands because I was like a little child who just got born again. And I was a little child. And I was just like a child that's in a playpen or a crib. And if you walk into a room with a child in a playpen or a crib, what are they doing? <laughs> why? Because they need you to change their position. They need you to take them out of their condition so that they can go into some other place. God, raise your hands and ask him to come and get you out of that condition because he wants to take you out so that he can take you in. Somebody said, I can't raise my hands. Are you kidding me? Then stay in your mud puddle. If that's what you want to do, then you stay in the muddy condition that you're in. But there's a God who wants to take you out. That's not the message that God told me to bring today. Here's what it is. I have prepared a message. I go before the Lord and I read and I said, Lord, this is what you want? And he said, that's good. This is what happened all of my pastoring career. You can ask people in this room that know it. I would prepare and I'd have it all down. I'd have it in notes. Sometimes we put it up on the screen, but they figured out that was never going to work again because that God didn't tell me what he wanted me to do till I stepped on the step of the altar and then he said, here, do this. Why didn't you tell me that earlier? God is a God that is never late. He's always on time. I told him, why don't you just be a little early? Because I would have liked to have known that a little bit earlier so I could have prepared something for it. He used to tell me, son, I put it in you, and I'll take it out of you when I want it. And then I got a real strict revelation from him that wasn't really kind of nice, and I had to pout over it for a while. He said, you have enough personality to pull this off on your own. But he said, I'm not looking for personality. I'm looking for you to fulfill your purpose. Amen. Hallelujah. As, as the women's ministry has so been eloquently flooded with the pursuit of purpose. Miles Monroe, bless his heart, has gone on to be with the Lord. Don't know if you ever heard of him before, but years ago. He taught that that's all he did was go everywhere around the world teaching about finding your purpose. Died in a plane crash on the way, he and his wife both, on his way to a ministry. It was the most powerful teaching I'd ever heard on finding out what God wants to do for you because once you find out what your purpose is, nothing, nothing can take you out of it. I said nothing can take you out of it. Huh? So I, I even said, well, in his own teaching, he said, you can't, the devil can't even kill you. And so I thought, well, how come he died in a plane crash? God said, that's enough, you're done. He had fulfilled his purpose. And I mean, he left a legacy of teaching that is still alive and anointed today because it's still in a biblical truth. And how many of you know you've got to stay in the realm of the biblical truth if you're going to escape the lies of men? Right. You follow after men, you're going to get nothing but lies. You follow after God, you're going to get nothing but truth. Huh? But we have a tendency as humans, because we're born into this sin-filled sin -filled nature, and it is a sin field that stays with us. There's a fight, the Bible says, going on all the time between the flesh and the spirit. It never stops till you draw your lost last breath. And then when you draw the new one in heaven, it's, <gasps> I knew it! Yeah. 
So while you're here on this earth and while you're here in this room listening to me, you have to know that inside is a fight going on in every one of you. And the devil's trying to take you out of hearing the truth and tries to replace it with facts. See, there's a difference between facts and truth. Gravity is a fact. You jump off of this roof, the fact is you're going to hit the ground. But this book is full of truths that are backed by fact-filled searches from history gone by that keeps proving it true. No matter how, you know, I used to hear these guys talking about the, when they would go off to prove the Bible wrong, they all ended up getting saved. So when you got, listen, God doesn't believe in atheists. Huh? He doesn't believe in atheists. So let the atheists say they don't believe in him. Encourage them to go and search for it and search for the truth. Find something that'll prove that he isn't real. Find something that'll prove it so that you can stand up and say, see, I was right. Go for it. Go for it, my brother, my sister. I love it if you would just try. In fact, I encourage you to get a lost person. If you don't already have somebody close to you that's lost, find one. Huh? We all should be finding somebody that doesn't know Christ. Everybody says, no, no, you just want to fellowship with people that know Jesus. Yeah. Oh, now your fellowship is supposed to be wrapped around all the like believers. But you're supposed to know somebody, have somebody that doesn't know Jesus so that they can be somebody in your fellowship. Right. And I'm going to tell you another reason why you need them. They're the people in this world that can tell you what kind of life you should be living as a Christian. Don't ask another believer. He's going to give you his opinion. He's going to be critical and judgmental and wondering how come you don't live your life like he does. Come on, am I getting, don't shout at me. But you go to somebody who's lost but has some respect for you and the way that you live your life, they'll tell you the things you're doing wrong. But the thing that I've found out about that is most of us don't want to hear about what we're doing wrong. We want to be accoladed for what we're doing right. Huh? Because everybody wants to be right. Feels good. Jesus didn't say you get saved so you can feel good. You got saved for a reason and a purpose. And this book will lead you in everything that you need. Does everybody have their hymn book? you didn't know that, a lot of people start looking under the chair going, I don't know, I didn't see any. <laughs> this is your hymn book because it tells all about him. Oh. See? This is the book you need. You don't need Facebook, you need your face in the book. Yeah. Hello? If we had more faces in the book than we got people on Facebook, it would be a better world. My goodness, people can't believe what we've turned to. And all, and listen, if you put your face in this book long enough, it'll grab a hold of it. Hmm? It'll suck you in. It'll suck you in sometimes. I love it when it won't let me out. But our humanist wants to escape it. Our undoneness that doesn't like being corrected, doesn't like God saying to us, maybe even through another brother, son, you're a you're going the wrong way. We need all of those people. Pastor talked about friends. You need a friend. The Bible talks about friends. Jesus said it was pretty important too. You need a friend. Listen to me. Here's the definition of the friend you need. You need a friend that's so close to you in friendship that has your heart, has your back, and has your mind. Has the place in your life that you can throw up on him and he won't tell anybody that's a friend that he won't expose you he won't tell anybody he'll just pick the chunks off and go I love you anyway I know you threw up on me but I'll be alright because I love you anyway and I want to give you a hug and now you're going no I'm not hugging you you smell like my vomit 
And in vomit, I'm using that as an analogy of just being able to dump and unload on somebody and not have them judge you and not have them go out and tell anybody about it. And I'm guaranteeing you, just think about it, you're going to be hard-pressed to find one of those. But the Bible says find one. Find one that you can trust that says, I won't expose you for what you just did, for what you just said, for what, I mean, instead, we're flabbergasted by going, you call yourself a pastor, and you did that? The call of pastor on our life does not remove our humanness. And believe me, the most frustrating place a pastor can ever be is in a place where he can't vent those kind of thoughts and feelings that he needs to get rid of. Huh? It's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. We're robed in this flesh just like you are. And we have to deal with the issues that you've got to deal with. We just have to make sure we deal with it in a way that brings glory to God. We're held twice accountable, more accountable than any of you are because of the call on our life. But every one of you have got a call on your life. Everyone as a believer has got a call on their life and the church over historical times has taken the time away from most of the people in the church to not know that their only position they have or call in their life is to fill a pew while somebody stands over them and talks to them. I don't like that. It's not supposed to be like that. A shepherd is supposed to be one who walks among the sheep. What's he doing with them? Correcting them. Holding them accountable. And the sheep bite. Huh? <laughs> That's a true definition of a shepherd. It wasn't somebody who's lorded over, standing up on a higher place telling you to sit down and shut up. Listen, the church used not sit down and shut up. In the early years of the church until the Reformation and 400 years after Christ, the church talked to one another while they were talking to each other about the Word of God, while they were preaching to one another. They talked to one another. And the people that run the church, the leadership always does this. They get tired. They get scared. Some of these people out there, they've got gifts and callings. And they might rise up and take our job from us. So we need to teach them in a way that we can. So we'll build the church with a big spire so that it goes up in the top and the man who leads sits in the spire and talks down to the people and then they shut up and they would use scripture like Paul says. Hey, take your wives home and don't let them talk. Have them talk at home. Stop the noise in church. They used those things. That isn't what the scripture meant at all. Which is to build the church to where the place where, here comes gang, the control was in the top and everybody else was to shut up. It's not supposed to be that way. The gifts and the calls that you have on your life are the strength of the church. The church doesn't get any stronger than the people that sit in it. It doesn't have anything. It's got a lot to do with leadership, but the leadership cannot do that. That's why pastors burn out. I know because I am one. Hmm? Think about burnout is you don't know you're on fire until you're burned all the way down. Somebody ought to write that down. I got another book going. If you have your Bibles, please. One of the things that I used to teach the people all the time is you got to bring three things to church. You got to bring your Bible, a pen, and breath mints. Huh? There's nothing worse than an exciting Christian who has now found the Word of God and put something in their life and applied it to them and, and want to tell you about it and smell like, yeah, breath mints. It's amazing that I said that because my little packet of breath mints that I carry everywhere I go, I use the last one today. If you guys want to stay away from me after church. You got me covered, baby? Oh, I know. See, that's what I help. A help meat is a help meat. That's what the Bible called it, not dead meat. <laughs> help meat. Turn to 2 Timothy 2. I joke with Pastor about suit and tie. Oh, come on. Yeah, I got to have a suit and tie. Okay. I wore one every day for 19 years. <laughs> It wasn't that I didn't like it. I just quit doing it after I retired, and I don't have many things that fit me anymore because I'll tell you one of the things that I know that God made it this way. He made it men not to wear ties after they retired because there's no place to put all the extra neck. I put this... 
<laughs> Dan, turn to Bill and tell him that, that that's, that's, he's talking about you now. Look at this. <laughs> I put my shirt on. I hadn't worn it in I don't know how many years to put a tie on. I'm all red face to come out in the show back. I said, look at this. Where'd all this come from? Hanging out. Look, they need an old man's shirt. I have an invention for you. Old man's shirt with fat pocket inside. <laughs> or, or chicken neck or whatever it's called. I don't know what it is, but I couldn't believe. I didn't know I had it. Till I tried to button the shirt. So I kid, I kid. See, you guys don't know this, but I pulled a quick one on him. Do you guys, any of you remember when we came and dedicated the building a couple of years ago and we... I didn't know he had this thing about on his pulpit. He wants ties and suits, and so I'm in my Levi's and cowboy boots. Came up on the pulpit, just like Joe Whitinger did, who was in a suit and tie. I went, he got the message. I didn't. <laughs> and Tim told me later, he says, you know, I'm not, I got a deal about suit and ties. I said, you didn't tell me. <laughs> he didn't hear what I said. I wouldn't award anyway. <laughs> So, so I would have. I, would, I honor and respect the man of God. That's his position. He can tell you that what he wants. Here's what I used to tell him. I want you to wear the very best thing you've got. Good enough. Just wear the best. You dig until you find the best thing that you've got. That's what you need to wear to church too. I believe you need to honor church by coming Amen. and wearing the best thing you've got. Amen? You're serving the best God in the whole world. Hallelujah. I got so many messages in here, I can't. <laughs> I can't, I can't, can I? Oh, we're, we're oh, shoot, we're early. The, the Baptists get out at noon, and they're already gone from the lunch line. You get the fresh food. <laughs> Paul wrote to Timothy because Timothy had followed him around through all of his travels, all three missionary trips. Everywhere that he was, Timothy was there. You find him kind of hidden in the background, but he's always there. And he was in a place of being trained and, and taught by Paul, who was pretty important in the Bible. And he ends up pastoring the church at Ephesus the largest Christian church at its time during Paul's time. And he ends up being the senior pastor. And he wasn't an old man. He was a young man. And Paul wrote, wrote to him in First and Second Timothy and along with some of the others, but First and Second Timothy, he wrote some amazing things on how, Timothy, this is what you need to do. Why do you think he had to write it down in a scripture that was going to be put into a book that was going to be for the life of the world as long as it was around. It was that important to be written down. It was that important for it to be done because he knew the significance of how people are influenced by other people. So he set down the rules. And so whenever I read the rules about gifts and callings on people's lives, you're going to glean a ton of stuff out of 1 and 2 Timothy. Because it's not just about pastoring. It's about being the best Christian you can be. Anybody in here want to be the best? Anybody struggling with it? Don't raise your hand. Yeah, me too. Somebody said, you can't say that. You can't tell people that you struggle. Well, if I don't, my wife will. She's, she's yelled at a couple of times from the pulpit. Right from the seat, right at, me, right at me going, that's not true. You know that ain't true. <laughs> Don't believe him. He's lying. <laughs> She's here to help me, isn't she? So I want to I pick out a little bit in just a few minutes that I have remaining because I want to show you something that you and I, all need, we all need to know this. Ch chapter 2, verse 22. 2 Timothy 2, 22. Easy to write down, right? My prayer has been ever since I got up this morning that somebody in here, maybe a lot of you, would get a hold of the message. That you would at least get it to the car. 
I know, I know. Sometimes, you ever, you ever leave church and you're in the car and you're going, what, what was he talking about? <laughs> Come on. I used to challenge people. I said, go to the restaurant, sit around the table, and talk about the message. See if you can remember some of the points. See if you can talk about it. And you, here's another deal. At the restaurant, you're talking about all that. And you're going to get yourself into a great trap. Because when you're talking about Jesus around the restaurant table, you better tip that waitress good. And I'm not talking about a little bit. Whatever you had for your meal, you give that much to the waiter. And if you can't afford to do that, then go home and eat. Because there's one of the greatest witnesses on Sunday morning to some of the most hateful people about church. They hate Christians. They hate you to come and eat after church because you're a bunch of cheapskates. Turn the tide about. They've let you listen and talk to God and praise God. They may see you pray over your food, and they're sitting in the back going, look at them. I'm going to get two bucks. (laughs) Or you get your calculator on this. How much is it going to be? Because we do percentage. You better thank God that he doesn't eke out your blessings in a percentage of what you do. Come on. You're being a witness for Christ and you didn't even know you're doing it. When you lay that 10, that 15, sometimes Lindsay and I get together when we eat together and go, how much you give? I said, I'll give 10. I'll give 20. She said, well, I'm going to give 10. I'm going to give 20. And, and what are we doing? I'm sitting there going, why am I giving all this? The meal was 10 bucks. I said, we talked about Jesus, didn't we? Yes, we did. Then leave it on the table. You see, you can be a blessing and not even know I was a blessing. You don't have any idea what that may have done for that person today who was thinking about God but wanting to throw God out. And you may be the one that makes the decision for them to come. Wow. Huh? And you're going to have to do it a lot because you're, you're going to be very few. Okay? Just leave that there. Verse 22, let's read the word. Amen? Flee also. Verse 22, flee also. So there's some other things you're supposed to do, but I want to concentrate on this for you this morning. Flee also the youthful lusts. Anybody have youthful lusts? I can't remember them. Huh? I have youth. You know, everybody's got youthful lusts. You You know why? I learned this from... From a, what do they call the guy? What do the doctors call that you go to because you you have neurological neurologist? Yeah, the doctor told me he says, "Do you know that your memory is always full?" I said, "No, mine's not. I can't remember nothing." <laughs> he said, "No, your memory is always full. What you can't remember in short term is replaced by long term. And if you've got problems remembering long term, it'll be replaced with short term. But it's always full. It's never not got any memory in it." And I'm thinking, wow, that's pretty awesome. So some of those things that I remember that I can re- I mean, I'm remembering things that happened 50 years ago with clarity. I can't remember what was the name of our hotel today. But who cares? I don't need that. Does anybody in here care where I stayed last night? I don't think so. But I can remember things out of his word that I got put in there 20, 30 years ago. Yeah, hello. It just kind of clicks on and goes, boom, there it is. <laughs> it's awesome. What? Don't tell me. 2 Timothy 2.22. And not NIV. Anything but NIV. New King James. Yes, dear. Okay, everybody's called to the bridge ministry. You're going to have to get over it. All right, we'll do NIV. Did you get it? 220? Oh, they're working on it. We're going to read on anyway. I, I, but we're not going to read because we're going to stop and study it. Flee also the youthful lust, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace. Doesn't stop. With those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Who's all that? That's all of you. Yeah, hopefully it's, it's all the Christians. And I know that it's not, you're going to sum them all up in that. But we are supposed to be calling upon the Lord with a pure heart. 
Huh? That's just crying out to him and being honest with him. The pureness of your heart is being honest and saying, God, I'm hurting and I need help and I need you in my life right now. Hallelujah. I need it and I need it and I need it. See, we're a people of need. Turn to the person on the left now and say, no, he's talking about you. Hmm? Let me just tell you a little bit about flee. This word flee is fuego. Fuego in the Greek. It means to run away, escape, shun, vanish, and then youthful lust is called juvenile desires. It doesn't necessarily mean that all of those things that you were young at, it just means those things that you ran after that were so important that you know when you caught them, they were like air in your hand. They weren't important, but boy, they sure seemed important at the time. It doesn't make any difference if you didn't get your Corvette Stingray. Huh? But do I want one now? You bet I do. <laughs> but I want to run away from it, not run into it. Amen. We spend our Christian life, listen to me, running away and running to. Because you're fleeing, you're running away. Pursuit, following, press forward, moving forward. So we're either moving backward or we're moving forward. Guess what the book says we're supposed to be doing? Moving forward. In fact, if you want to just remain in your past, then you just become history. That's all, that's all it is. It's the history of you in your past. Get to your future and what God wants you to do. Hallelujah. He doesn't want you to be in your history. He wants you to be in your purpose that's out here doing something he's called you to do. And every one of us have that calling. Say this out loud with me. I have a calling on my life. Okay, now I'm going to teach you the tough part. There's only three callings. You say, what do you mean? There's only three types of calling. In this whole book, you can only find three types of calling. It's man-called, self-called, and God-called. You're the one that has to determine which one you are. Hmm? If it's self-called, then you're going to be the one that supports it. You're going to be the one that puffs it up and tries to keep it going. If it's man-called, which sometimes is committed, you know the problem with committee is nobody has to take responsibility for the decisions it makes. And when it all goes wrong, it's always this. Well, I didn't vote for it. He did. Some other guys did. I, I didn't want it anyway. I hated that color. <laughs> oh, you guys will figure that one out later too. <laughs> huh? We're supposed to be responsible for our decisions and responsible for what we're doing. And man called and self called is all going to be nothing but puffed up, nothing that won't hold anything together when the test comes on it. Then believe me, the test is going to come. But when you're God-called and you figure out what God is calling you to do, and it doesn't mean that you're in full-time ministry, you're going to the, to the Philippines, you're going on the mission field, you're going to be a pastor, you're going to be what? You know, the calling on your life is what the purpose for your life is supposed to be. And it's not to keep the pew warm and hold down the seat. Right. Mm, you got to search it out. Now I'm going to give you some real stuff here. You ready for some meat? Acts chapter 20. No, let's go to 9. Acts chapter 9. Sorry, Tim, if you're watching me. <laughs> he wanted my notes. He called me last week. He said, send me your notes and your outline. Uh-oh. <laughs> Ray's laughing. <laughs> Ray knows exactly what I... <laughs> and I... And I mean, I had a knot well up in my stomach. I'm going, I don't have one. Well, they just give me an outline of what you're going to preach on. And I don't have one. Because it isn't time yet. I said, I'll tell you what. I'm going to try to do Acts 2.22. Yeah, that's it. Well, what's the name of it? Uh, Acts 22, chapter 2.22. Two so I, all of a sudden I knew the women were doing this pursuits of purses. Okay, it's, uh, I'm on the phone, and I'm trying to think. Purse and suits, and person suits. So it's pursuits of purpose. Oh. 
I have no clue what it's going to be because some, you know, how can you name something that hasn't developed yet? The naming of a, of, of a sermon should be after it's over. <laughs> Duh. That's when you name the sermon. Lloyd Honer named every one of my sermons when he made the tapes for them. I never knew what the names were because he did it. And so it was either going to be, and you never knew what it was going to be because you didn't know what part of it he was awake in. (laughs) I'm not kidding because he sat back there and that's all he did for the whole 20 years. He took care of tapes and he taped every one of them and he'd come, I'd go pick up a tape and go, when was this today's? He said, yeah. It was, it was one of the first things I said at the beginning. Nothing about what I did towards the end of the... I said, did you get anything at the end? Well, he said, I kind of nodded off. <laughs> That's why you can't name them until after it's done. Oh, boy, I'm going to be in trouble. Okay, what I want to read to you, in Acts chapter 9, Paul is going to go through transformation. All of you know that Paul went through a Damascus Road experience. Uh, A lot of us feel neglected because we didn't all have a Damascus Road experience. You don't have to have one. If you're born again and believe and you're following after God, you got a testimony that'll knock the socks off anybody. Hallelujah. Beck and I had a powerful testimony because we were saved from alcohol and drugs and all kinds of other things I can't tell you about because she won't let me. People used to come to me all the time and say, I don't have a powerful testimony like you. I said, well, what have you done in your life with God? He said, I just lived with him all my life. There you go. Hello? You what? You've been, he said, I've been, been in church all my life. I got saved when I was young, and I've just served God all my life. I'm going, and you don't have a testimony? Hello? I was a stupid one that had to get knocked off a drunk horse. You didn't have to go through all of that drinking and all them drugs and all that, huh, John? Sorry, John, but I know you love me, and I love you. Because several of us have gone through that fight with the addictive personality, addictive lifestyle, and like John and like me, we beat it with God's help through Jesus Christ. Amen? Oh, I could give testimony on a lot of people with that. But then the other people are those that have just lived with him all of their life. Paul got knocked off his horse because he was going the wrong way. He needed to flee from some of his youthful lust. He had been trained as a Pharisee. He, had been, he was a high-ranking Jewish official, given letters of authority to go and kill and capture and condemn and prison Christians. Believers in Jesus Christ. And he had to get knocked off his horse to get his attention because God wanted to use him. Why him? Why didn't you go pick one of them other guys? Because he knew what Paul would do with it when he showed him who he was. Amen? So I want to show you something. And let me just find it, seeing how I don't have notes. I know, if I could take my time. <laughs> okay. He, he gets blinded and then told to go into Damascus, and a certain man's going to come, Ananias. Verse 11. So the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight. Inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he's praying. And in a vision he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. Ananias said, Lord, I've heard from, I've heard from many about this man. <laughs> this, is, this, is a, this is what I love because Ananias is a guy like me. I want to inform God of something he doesn't already know. <laughs> I'm probably doing it all the time going, do you realize I need to tell you this? <laughs> Ananias is going to tell God. Um, you know who this guy is? (laughs) Lord, I've heard from many about this man how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. And the Lord said, go. (laughs) 
For he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. You know, he had to have said that in a way that I just can't bring it out the way when you read it. You have to realize it because 17 says Ananias went his way. It had to be, I want to tell you something about him. (laughs) Okay, all right. (laughs) Chill, I'll go. (laughs) So Ananias went his way and entered the house and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you. Yeah, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you. On the road as you came has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. He gave him a full tank of gas and an afterburner. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales and he received his sight at once and he arose and was baptized. So when he had received food, he was strengthened, and then Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. Now go to Acts chapter 22. This is in my Bible study that we're having. Every week we have a Thursday Bible study at somebody's home. My Thursday Bible study people are over here in this row. And then we go to, we go to their house, and we, go, we don't always go to my house. And we've been in this for over two years, and this is as far as we've gotten in the book of Acts in two years. I said, we got six more chapters to go. I think we've got another year. Hmm? You've got to take your time. Take your time. You guys heard that already. You've got to take your time. So Paul, this is his, he, he, there's three times the story of Damascus Road is in the Bible, and this is the second one. There's another one in chapter 26 that we'll get to it and read it again in seven or eight months. Okay. So what I want to read this one to you because it's got a little bit w- different way that it was interpreted. So let's see, where, where am I going to do this at? Okay, uh, verse 10. So I said, what shall I do, Lord? And the Lord told me, rise and go into Damascus, and there you will be told all things you're appointed to do. Now watch this. This is Jesus telling him, you go in there and somebody's going to tell you. And since I could not see for the glory of that light... Being led by the hand to those who were with me, I came to Damascus. And a certain Ananias, a devout man according to the law, having a good testimony with all the Jews who dwelt there. See, I'm thinking, God, you missed the guy. You should have got him. Because in our explanation, he's the candidate. He was a devout Jew. He was well-respected had a good testimony. He was respected. This is the guy, God. We're going to send him to all the people. God said, no, I got this Saul. God, you don't know who that is. <laughs> See, I'm trying to demonstrate to you how man can call somebody that isn't from God, and God will call somebody that you don't think's the candidate. Right. Somebody say amen. amen. You want the God-called one. That's right. Hello. Okay. So, yeah, having, having a good testimony, end of verse 12, with the, all the Jews who dwelt there, came to me and he stood and said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that same hour, I looked up at him. Then he said, The God of our fathers has chosen you that you should know his will, and watch this, and see the just one. And hear the voice of his mouth. For you will be his witness to all men or some. Does yours say some? Does it say some? Oh, it isn't even up there. It says all? Yeah, I've studied that word in the Greek. And it means all. (laughs) All of what you have seen and heard. Now, this is important. The just one. You need to circle it in your Bible. How many know it's okay to write in the Bible? Right in it. I, I told Pastor Tim, I said, these are my notes. They're all over my Bible. You want a copy of it? <laughs> I don't know what to do with that. 
the other note is this, and it just has these on it. This is what it has on it, the same ones. Oh, well, anyway. Circle that, and then in the margin, wherever you've got a blank space, white right equals righteousness. The just one in the Greek is the same word for righteousness in 2.22 of Timothy, 2 Timothy. Flee your youthful lusts and pursue the just one. Because a lot of people say, well, I don't, I don't know about righteousness. I'm not righteous. No, you're not. You're right. Your righteousness, as the Bible says, is as filthy rags. It's his righteousness. But you're supposed to be pursuing righteousness. Well, I don't know how to chase righteousness. Chase Jesus. Chase the just one. That's all you have to do is keep focused and chase the just one. I told the Bible study the other night, the thing about chasing Jesus is you'll never catch him while you're alive. Hmm? Did you got to keep running after him? You got to keep, listen, the only way you can run after something is if you're fleeing something. You need to run like you stole something. You need to run away from the past. Run away from everything that's in the past because the past is over. The past is history. I know Tim always says it's his story. Well, I'm telling you, your history is your foot caught in something that you can't get loose from until you flee from it so that you can get to your future and you have to pursue the just one to get there. Hallelujah. And it's supposed to be for not just your benefit, but it's for all of those who seeked after the Lord with a pure heart. Now he's put you right in the middle of all of God's people. Now you're in the middle of the sheep. And the sheep are... I heard a good saying. A sheep that's bleating has no food in its mouth. It's a fact, and it's also a metaphorical truth. If you got your, your mouth in nothing but a complaining sound, you don't have any food in your mouth. You don't have any food. You don't have God's food in your mouth. Stop the complaining and eat God's food. Get into your face instead of Facebook. I told everybody years and years ago, somebody remembered, maybe not. Yeah, I found out a lot of things. Most people don't remember things. I got challenged many times during our, our pastoring. Becky will know that too because she got challenged too a lot over how I prepared my messages because pastors typically have got them in books and books years in advance, six months in advance. And I don't, I'm not chiding anybody that does that. That's the way that you're wired. That's good. You need to have the confidence of what you're bringing so the people there hear the truth of it. And if that's what you need to do, then that's what you need to do. I'm not trying to teach anybody that you've got to go and now study the Word and don't write them down. You better write it down because if it isn't written down, it doesn't exist. Hello? And I said, I just have to do this the way I'm supposed to do that. You can do this the way you're supposed to do that. That's okay with me, as long as the end result's getting the same result. And it's all about the kingdom and advancing it, moving it forward. Don't stay backwards. Go forward. This is supposed to be for us in a time such as this. I said, because... Because I pastored and, and I had responsibilities for teaching, I taught all the Wednesday nights and we did, you know, I preached every Sunday that I could. We had guests all the time. I remember I had a guest one time and he's sitting down in the chair and I got ready to introduce him and I said, and, and welcome. I think it was Steve. I don't remember. Anyway, it didn't make a difference. And, and I stepped off to let, and everybody's clapping, bring Steve up, and I tripped and fell flat on my face. Was that, was, that, was that weird, wasn't it? I mean, I fell flat on my concrete face right there without the splitting of the head like I did. Yeah. <laughs> so so, so I'm, I'm clamoring to get back up. People are clapping. Steve's getting up, and he's standing here like this looking at me getting up off the floor, and he said, I thought maybe this was a ritual you all had or something. <laughs> then I'm supposed to get down on the floor like that too so you could all pray for me or something. I didn't know what was going on. <laughs> I just... 
fell. I just tripped and fell flat on my face. I've done stuff from this pulpit that didn't, wasn't planned. I didn't plan on falling. I preached one time with my, with my fly down. I didn't, how many, how many men, how, how many men will attest to me that if your fly's down and you don't know it, you don't know it? And so I'm preaching and I'm preaching up a storm and I've got my hands in my pocket and, and I'm, and I'm looking down and my wife's got a piece of paper <laughs> and I'm not paying any attention to her because I mean I'm on fire. Bringing a word, people are, people are going, yeah, and I'm going, well, they're in it today. <laughs> she got a piece of paper down there that says, take your hands out of your pocket, your fly's open. <laughs> now, at that time, we were in the school, and I was behind a music stand. Yeah. <laughs> All right, come back with me now. <laughs> But if you don't show, listen to me, if you don't bring the word to people in a real way, they won't take anything out of it. And they got to be able to remember something. Got to be able to remember something. Isaac, where'd he go? He went to get coffee. Little turkey, I'll tell on him. (laughs) I saw him a few years ago at a funeral, a friend that passed, and we... I told him, I said, you remember this, don't you? And he quoted exactly what I had taught that day in church. I was going to have him do it, but I ain't going to do it to him now because he may have forgot it. But you don't know how, how blessed I was. Hi, Isaac. I just told on you. It's okay. And I don't know if it's you or your brother. Do you remember what I'm talking about? Something that you got taught and you repeated exactly because I was going to tell you again about politics. You remember it and what it meant and where it got from? Can you, can you repeat it? Wait, wait, come here. This this is the definition of how you arrive at politics. Bottom, just push it. Hello? Hello, 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 hello. Yeah. Okay, tell them the words. Comes in two forms of Greek, two words, poly, meaning many, and takes, which are blood sucking vermin. Swan song to my epitaph. He remembered it. And he was little. The last time I saw him, he was, of course, he wasn't as big as he is now. And he was little. And I said, do you remember me teaching? He says, yeah, I know exactly what I said. And said it to me. I went, <laughs> see, you never know. You never know whose life you're touching. Huh? And what kind of an impact you're having in it. I'm just talking about, talking about a pastor standing up here doing it. I'm talking about you and your life. For when you talk to somebody. I'm talking about you and your waitress this, e- this, this evening when you go to lunch. Listen, listen. The freshest food is served after the Baptist eat. I'm just kidding you. I'm just kidding you. I want to leave some kind of an impression with you today. I wasn't sure exactly where the message was going. That's why it was difficult for me to give Tim an outline. But I want to read something from an old man that's been dead and gone for a long time. His name was Spurgeon. Yeah, he's got some good stuff and he's got some dumb stuff too. (laughs) Sorry, did I say that out loud? Take that off the tape. (laughs) But this is one of the good ones. I, I, I read his devotion every day. If you want to find a man who serves God the best, you must look for the men of the most faith. And see, our pursuit not only is righteousness, but it was faith and love. What do you mean by the great faith? Listen, 
If you've not written anything down or get anything from all morning, I want you to get this. Do not judge your faith by your faith's results. You hear me? Because if you do, you won't last. Faith will never fail you. Faith in God always works. Jesus said, have faith in God. But we have things happen to us in our circumstances that will try to dictate to us out of, I had faith for that, but it didn't work. The people of great faith are the people who get through the times that they think it didn't work, and I still have faith in God. Hallelujah. That's the men who you find are great men and leaders, are the ones of great faith that have persevered through wrong trials and things that have happened, and they still have faith in God. Hallelujah. And that's what we've got to have, and that's what we need to look for. That's what's going to make your platoon even greater is because you're a great man of faith. You've gone through some stuff with your family. I know about some of it. And I'm telling you, you still are here. And the worst thing you can do when you walk in faith is to quit. But circumstances and situations dictate to us all the time. Well, that didn't work. You don't know how many people Becky and I have prayed for, for the faith to rise up in them, to heal them from disease, and we've ended up burying them. Huh? (laughs) Some of them told me while I was praying over them, stop praying for me, I'm ready to go. But you, when you're a people of faith, you say, no, oh, I'm going to believe God is going to heal you. And then I had to do their funeral. You should have quit, huh? I'm not going to base my faith on the results of my faith. I'm going to base my faith on what's written in here. Hallelujah. <laughs> and if you don't stay in it, you're not going to get it. Amen? Amen. Well, Tim... I'm, I'm right on schedule. I don't know what the schedule is. I have no idea what schedule. I didn't read the schedule. I didn't even get the schedule. And if it's on that piece of paper under my chair, it's too little. I couldn't read it anyway. <laughs> the time comes for the service this morning and the message this morning to the most important thing that there is. What's the condition of your soul? What's the condition of your faith? What's the position that you're trying to walk in now? Are you fleeing and pursuing? Or are you just standing dormant? It's time to get up and get out. Pastor Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 and Wednesday evenings at 6.30. Join us at 2615 East 7th Avenue, across from Cal Ranch. I'm Joe Harding. From Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Center, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast.